2: Even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.
3: Let's go there. With Shira and Ryan. Oh my God. Entertainment, music, pop culture, LGBT plus news. Let's go there. Start now. What's up? Happy Wednesday. This is Let's Go There. Hello. And We appreciate you for hanging out with us.
4: No, we really, really do. You know, it's always a good time. Let's go. There has been very fun.
3: You know, I feel like we've reached a point in our relationship. We've had a whole roller coaster of emotions, me and Ryan, and doing the show. Yeah. You know, we had the excitement at the beginning, then you kind of hit like growing pains, right? And then you hit like plateau. Then you you want to talk
4: more about those growing pains? Then you hit. Then you hit
3: pain, and now we're like, no, well. Now we're actually hitting a really great place, I think, where we're like, all those things are gonna exist at different times. We gotta have a positive mindset.
4: Well, yeah, you just gotta do what you gotta do, right? You gotta just keep it moving because at the end of the day, everything got has to get done. Um but no, oh my God, there was something that I was actually really about to bring up to you that I just forgot oh, all about, which sucks great. because I really wanted to talk about it. Well, obviously it wasn't that important. I know, maybe I'll ta- <laughs> figure it out. Oh my god, it's so annoying. No, I'm really happens. intrigued. No, because it was something that I really wanted wanted to talk about, but now I can't even remember. It's a brain fart. I should have made a note about it. You know, don't you hate it when that happens?
3: I do hate that. I mean, it happens so much with words sometimes, with references. I forgot. Maybe you just keep
4: saying words. My boyfriend
3: has a nonprofit, and today I was telling someone about it, and I forgot even (laughs) what the name was. I had to look it up on Instagram. (laughs) I was like, it's like, you know, things that you know so well you talk about, and yet you need to reference them? That's my biggest anxiety for if, you, you know, if you're talking to someone or you're doing an in- say you're doing a job interview, right. or we could be doing a press interview with someone. Okay. Right? And talking okay. about our lives and things. And then you want to reference something that's very meaningful to you. Well, how meaningful is it if you don't remember it?
4: <laughs> no, but you know, sometimes that happens where you just like forget things. It's it's it, it literally just happened to me in real time and I'm really sad about it. But I'm going to figure it out and we're going to. Yeah, f- stick
3: around because it's coming back.
4: No, it, it's going to because it was a really good conversation. <laughs> <laughs> that good. I
3: really want to know now.
4: Oh, well, top of hours is when we
3: uh, schmooze a bit, yeah. so hang out with it's us. It's okay, we're always going to talk about For the next top of something. hour, yeah. And actually, I'm excited for this topic. At 4:25 p.m. Pacific, 7:25 p.m. Eastern, we're talking about the love languages and if they're BS. Usually well, we talk about them, but now we're talking about be. the other side of it. Plus, Britney Spears' mom is speaking out. That's in the tea report in a moment. But let's get into some what's trending this hour. New York Lieutenant Governor Kathy Hochul spoke for the first time following Governor Andrew Cuomo's resignation announcement.
5: So in 13 days, I will wish you the 57th governor
3: of state of New York. And shortly thereafter, I look forward to delivering the press to all New Yorkers to lay out my vision for the great state of New York. But make no mistake, our work has already been done I know this year and a half has been so challenging. Well, she will be New York's first female governor. And uh, that was, uh, you know, a news clip a bit hard to hear. But she added that no one will ever describe my administration as a toxic work environment.
4: You know, I was reading up about her some more today, this morning. And most of her career has been kind of like... Coming into the spotlight behind men who have like screwed up really bad. Which wow. it feels like the moral of the story is just put women in office.
3: <laughs> right. Skip. All in the that first part.
4: place. Yeah.
3: <laughs> well, good for her. She's doing good work, but that sucks if that's like the theme. But hey, take it. Take it where you can get it.
0: Yeah. Now,
3: uh, finally, Texas's largest school district plans on imposing a mask mandate for students joining other big cities in the state that have already issued Orders. Dallas and Austin school districts announced earlier this week that masks would be required for all students, staff and visitors, regardless of vaccine status. The same mandate was also imposed in San Antonio. We know we have a lot of folks listening in Texas, actually. The mask requirement are in defiance of the executive order that Republican Governor Greg Abbott issued in May, barring school districts as well as other government entities from requiring masks. But they're like, no, get out of here. That was what's trending this hour. What's happening in
4: entertainment news, Ryan? Oh my God, the way that Britney fans are trolling um, Britney's Britney's family members is intense where Britney Spears' mom is calling for fans to stop coming in between her daughters it's time for the T-Report those pop culture stories trending right now let's talk about this now after um, Lynn Spears she posted a photo on Instagram of an enormous spider web outside of her Louisiana home um, several fans saw an opportunity to, tra- to troll Jamie Lynn um, and ran with it. My thing is, what a mom thing to do is like to find a spider web outside and then just post a picture of it. Like everyone wants to see it. Like just Brad posting re- like random things on their Instagram. I, you
3: know, uh, that's like what a mom does. You're yeah, like, check or like out your dad. my dinner. It
4: makes me think of your dad sometimes. Like he, oh, I feel yeah. like he posts random things on. He Instagram, He posts him too.
3: drinking whiskey, like whiskey in a sunset, <laughs> or now he's getting into NFTs. That's.
4: Oh, yeah. Wow. He's really exploring. Well, here's what uh, fans were. When she posted the spider web, fans started commenting, saying, oh, cute, look at Jamie Lynn decorating her new place. Sorry, couldn't help it. Another one wrote, ooh, look at that. It's Jamie Lynn and her lovely home. And within minutes of these comments, um... Lynn responded to both fans with a simple one-word request, stop. Um, She then ended up kind of coming out with a lengthier post where she really acknowledged it. She says, I do speak up by using my lawyer in the legal system since day one and not by using social media or the press. You need to do your research. Sorry you are so uninformed. Have a great day and try positivity. I mean, I could probably see, like, as a mom, seeing people, like, dragging one daughter over the other. It's kind of like it puts you in a hard place. But it also, you just don't know whose involvement, like, what the involvement is of everyone in this family when it comes to Britney Spears' conservatorship case. Yeah, you
3: just You're don't not going to please anyone right now, so yeah. I feel like at this point, I don't... Maybe you can just ignore the trolls. You
4: got at this to. Point. But that's your team report. I got more coming up next hour, and we got more show to get to. Mm-hmm.
3: Now, as California's recall election is around the corner, many are wondering if President Biden is going to speak up. More on that with Politico next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi spoke out yesterday on California Governor Gavin Newsom's recall election. Here's what she had to say.
6: He's been a great governor and uh, I'd like to see this, uh, shall we say, nuisance. But it's part of the public. It's part of what you can do. So we respect that. But we have to also get out the boat, reject the recall. It's not good for you.
3: It's not good for children or other Okay, Jeremy White joins us right now, a California politics uh, playbook for Politico. Thanks for being here. Happy to be here. So I found it interesting when she said it's not good for children or other living things, which, Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, if he's a good governor, it wouldn't be good for anyone. But what did she mean by that?
2: Well, I think you've seen an argument from the governor and his allies, including Speaker Pelosi, that uh, if the governor loses this recall and is replaced with a Republican, it would reverse uh, the direction the state has gone on a lot of issues, whether that is the environment or how um, the state has offered fairly generous um, tax incentives and other social programs for parents and children. So I I think Speaker Pelosi is sort of articulating the broader argument Democrats are making, which is essentially... Austen Governor Newsom would put the state
7: um, backwards.
4: Yeah, and it's so interesting because uh, you mentioned in your article um, that just three years ago, you know, California Democrats kind of drew this national attention where they were able to flip a shocking seven House seats. Why is why aren't we seeing that same energy? What why is Newsom having such a hard time kind of gaining that national attention around this recall?
2: Well, I would point out that Democrats um, lost four of those seats the next cycle. So there was a bit of an ebb and flow to that. But I think there's a couple of things going on. I think part of it is that, as is um, kind of natural for a recall, the people who have supported it and gotten it to the ballot, the governor's opponents, um, are most excited about voting in it. So, of course, the people who um, are driving a recall to ask the governor are then excited to vote in the recall. And then I think on the other side, there is a combination among a lot of Democrats of either sort of apathy and indifference, maybe even not knowing that a recall is going on, or this Sort of feeling of complacency, the sense that, well, of course, the governor's not going to get recalled. The state is too democratic for that. And there is a real possibility, and I think the governor's team is aware of it, that we could see a really high Republican turnout and really minimal Democratic turnout. And that's really the formula that could lead the governor to get recalled.
3: Yeah, that's worrisome. Do you think President Biden is going to speak out? That's, I guess, the question that everyone's asking.
2: Yeah, the White House's potential role is certainly uh, the object of a lot of speculation. Uh, You know, the White House has sort of um, stated in as uh, unexciting of terms as possible that they oppose the recall. Uh, Vice President Kamala Harris, of course, a Californian, has been a little more explicit in saying it's a bad idea and has signaled that she may be coming out to campaign. But it's not something where the White House has really, at least so far, um, Put a lot of time or attention or resources into it. And I think you can kind of make an argument either way that having a national figure like Joe Biden would potentially energize Democrats, but could potentially backfire and energize Republicans as well. So mm. we're really getting to the home stretch here. There's about five weeks left in this campaign. I wouldn't be surprised if we see uh, the vice president get more involved, but. For now, this has been mostly a matter uh, for California politicians. Although I should note that Senator Elizabeth Warren was the star of uh, a campaign ad that the governor's team put out. So they certainly have enlisted some help from national Democrats. It's an open question just how much more we're going to see uh, in the home stretch here.
4: Yeah, it seems, to be honest, a little slow that like him getting people on to kind of support from a national POV. But I, I really want to know realistically. Republicans seem kind of confident in this moment. Do you think there's a chance that they could actually get what they want here?
2: I think there's absolutely a chance. I think Republicans have good reason to be confident, which is that their base is extremely excited to vote in this election. I think turnout is going to soar among Republicans. And that could really give them a chance uh, to uh, sort of sneak a victory here in a deeply Democratic state where winning statewide office for Republicans has been uh, it's been an insurmountable obstacle for them for basically decades now. And so I do think that if if Republican enthusiasm stays high and, and not enough Democrats turn out, whether that's because they're not aware, because they are uh, just sort of indifferent, I think we could absolutely see the Republicans win this one.
3: Who who would be leading that? Like, who's the candidate? That just sounds... I know it's not Caitlyn Jenner. Really scary.
2: <laughs> it's not Caitlyn Jenner. Uh, Caitlyn Jenner has struggled to break through polling, has sort of put her consistently um, towards the back of the pack of Republicans. The Republican who's currently leading in the polls and fundraising is a conservative talk show host named Larry Elder, a longtime gentleman based out of L.A., and uh, he has really sort of excited Republican voters. Now, keep in mind when I say he leads the Republican candidates, he's popping out at a plurality. But given that the way the recall ballot works, there are two questions. Should we keep or should we recall the governor? Question one, question two, who shall replace him? Whoever gets the most votes on question two, if question one, there's a majority for recall, is the governor. And so there's a real possibility that uh, it's something like 51 percent of California, uh, people who participate in the election vote to recall Gavin Newsom. And then Larry Elder becomes governor with a quarter of the vote. Um, that is something that uh, could absolutely happen.
3: That's messed up. Thank you. That was Jeremy B. White, who leads California Politics Playbook newsletter for Politico. Thanks for being here.
4: Happy to be here. Wow. Okay. He also has a cute cat. I looked at his Twitter account and he has a cat in his picture. It's cute.
3: You always bring up the importance. I know, right? (laughs) Uh, Next up, a new poll reveals why teens aren't getting vaccinated. More on that next with The Washington Post.
8: Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q.
3: The Kaiser Family Foundation released a poll that finds major obstacles to increasing vaccination among children ages 12 to 17 who have right now the lowest rates of any age group at 41 percent. Right now with us is Laura Meckler, a national education writer for The Washington Post. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. So can you just also explain before we get into this study, why is it important for teens and kids to get vaccinated Well it wasn't a priority before or it seems like they weren't being impacted by the virus?
6: Well, I mean, I think that it, a lot of people have said it's been a priority since they became um, became eligible for the vaccine. But it is true that the younger you are, the less likely you are to have a serious illness. That said, some children and teens do end up in the, in the hospital, and some have even died. So it is important, um, just like it's important for the rest of us, um, for young people to be protected against this virus. So I think that um, public health experts would say that it is important, and it um, may be not quite as urgent as it was in the beginning for, say, the elderly to be vaccinated. Um, in fact, um, children can carry the virus, and they can get sick from it.
4: So talk to us a little bit about this poll that is finding these big challenges, because I think for me, one of the red flags that I see, if like if a parent is anti-vax, then their kid is probably so young. They're going to be like, oh, I'm going to listen to my parent who, you know, at at that age, you think your parent knows everything. Right. And so I, I would love to know about some of those challenges where it's being difficult to get teens to actually get vaccinated at this point.
6: Yeah, I mean, I think parents definitely have a lot to say about it. Um, you know, a parent has to, I believe, has to consent in order for their child to be vaccinated. So, in fact, you know, there is a big overlap this Kaiser poll showed um, between, you know, vaccination rates for parents and those that their kids have. So um, so I definitely think that that's part of it. I think the same folks who are worried about, side effects who are worried about the long-term, maybe long-term implications of the vaccine, worried that there may be some sort of bad effects down the road. If they're worried about that for themselves, they're obviously, you know, also worried about that for their kids. So um, even though, you know, health authorities have told us that it's safe and a lot of people have gone ahead and vaccinated their children, some people are very hesitant. So um, and it, it tends to be um, often, um, well, there's often an overlap between places where there are low vaccination rates and also having high COVID rates. So yeah. obviously those two often go together, but the, it's, a, it's kind of a bad combination, right?
3: Yeah. And then there's also a partisan divide, it seems like, this uh, reveals Huge. Yeah. Huge partisan
6: divide. I mean, um, yeah. In fact, probably the best. Uh, if you you could only ask somebody one question to find out whether they were vaccinated or, vaccinated or not, besides, are you vaccinated? Maybe it would be, you know, what what are your politics? Which are, what, what party do you belong to? So.
4: What did uh, the study and the poll find when it comes to uh, communities of color? Because obviously there's hesitancy for a reason when it comes to communities of color, uh, specifically black people. But I, I wondered yeah. if that this poll found anything else um, that kind of really uh, is attached to the worries about the vaccine.
6: Yeah, I mean, I think that this absolutely did um, found that there was more reluctance among Hispanic and black parents to um to vaccination. Now, the reasons that they cited were often actually similar to the reasons that that white parents who are who are concerned about it cite as well. So, for instance, you know not enough, the most common reason people gave was that there's not enough known about the long-term effects of the vaccine in children. So you saw you know eighty seven percent of black parents say that, eighty nine percent of Hispanic parents, of white parents. So, you know, you have, you you have a lot of overlap where there is some difference though, that we're seeing is that on some of the secondary reasons. Okay. So like, for instance, worries about being able to take off work to bring their child to get vaccinated. You saw that worry expressed by half of Hispanic parents and and a third of black parents, but only about 24% of white parents. Um, Concerns that, they won't be able to get the vaccine from a, for their um, for their child from a place that they trust. Mm. That's something that just, you know, 15, 16% of white parents were worried about that. Half of Hispanic parents were worried about that, um, worried about having to pay for the vaccine. Now, the vaccines are supposed to be free, and I and they are largely free. Hopefully, nobody's out there trying to charge for them, Um But they have this concern that that someone's going to try to charge them. 30% of black parents are worried about that. Shows that
3: there's a disconnect of of the, 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 I guess, the communication of what these things are. Yeah, anyway.
6: Totally. I mean, so in a way, like, I look at that and I say, like, well, there's some positives there. Because that's something that if they can get information out to people and say, no, this is free. You know, and, and some more on the trust issue, like there's a lot of trust in pediatricians. Parents have the most trust in their kids' pediatricians. So maybe as kids start cycling through their annual appointments, you know, they will start hearing from their own doctors that this is something that they can trust. Um, so that may that may open a, a window as well. But, um, but those other concerns about the long-term effects, if you're worried about the long-term effects of a vaccine, obviously, you know, the... The long-term effects, who knows when someone's concerned will be satisfied about something like that, yeah. you know?
3: Well, Laura Meckler, National Education Writer for The Washington Post, thanks for being here and for breaking this down. We appreciate it. You bet. Thanks for having me. Next up, what is fubbing and the real reason why you and other people stare at their phones at parties? That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. There's a phenomenon that communication experts are calling fubbing, P-H-U-B-B-I-N-G, a.k.a. snubbing people with your phone. And when you do it with friends instead of people that are strangers, it's called F-fubbing.
4: I don't know. I still don't get it. What do you mean snubbing people with your phone?
3: So it was inspired by uh, this person who wrote it on Mike said it was inspired by a situation that happened to her where she noticed, you know, after the pandemic, we've been stuck inside. We've been complaining how we can't be with each other in person. And yet she's out with her friends and everyone's on their phone. And she was like, what is going on here? Well, researchers are looking into this, too. Uh, A study that was published by the University of Georgia uh, says, according to this lead author of the paper, said, I observed that so many people use their phones while they are sitting with their friends at the cafe, any dining time, regardless of the relationship type. And so he wanted to find out why. The study looked at the mental health factors and personality traits associated with fubbing and how staying glued to your phone um, when you're supposed to be connecting in person impacts satisfaction with relationships. So, they found that people that have anxiety or depression were more likely to be on their phones during social interactions. And that's not the same thing as being addicted to your phone. But people that are neurotic or anxious or depressed are more likely to be on their phones instead of connecting with people in person when they have the ability.
4: Well, to. That ha- that's happened to me actually, um, not recently, but. I think, well, actually, no, I've realized when I've gone out to dinner recently with friends and stuff, like everyone's on their phones and like, yeah. you know, it happens. But then I have used being on my phone in, in social settings as like a, a a moment of like me dealing with my own anxiety. Oh, yeah. So like that, that totally happened. Um, and I don't, I don't think it's on purpose, but it, it can be hard if you're having like an issue um, you know, connecting, especially as most of us are kind of reconnecting with the world. I get it. I think that's like it feels like a safe space because our phones were our ways of yes, communicating of course. with people, and it continues to be. I would
3: say safe space slash it can be a crutch. Yeah, it can be it can something. Be a crutch for sure. Uh, and and what I how this article ended, which I loved what this writer said, and shout out. I should probably give her a shout out. Uh, Tracy Ann Duncan giving credit where credit's due. She said, next time you reach across the table to grab your phone when you're supposed to having be having a heart to heart, notice how you're feeling, how you want your partner or partners to feel, and how the relationship will be impacted. So it's like that the idea of it is it's it's a bigger act than you think it is. We've come become so used to it that we think, Oh yeah, they're just on their phone. Like it's more than that. <laughs>
4: I guess it could be more than and that. I've yes. actually
3: gone out of my way because my partner noticed I was on my phone all the time, and I even on this show, I went. through You? A period. Oh my
4: god! A period. You were just on your phone. Well,
3: in the break, but yes.
4: Still. Yeah. All right. In the break, I do check stuff. <laughs> She got our thought all the
3: time. No, but I've actually all become much more conscious a- about it. Uh, really? Yeah, I notice, well, not like it's gonna go away. It is such a routine thing. It's like a drug. Yeah, you're you addicted to it. But I'll notice, meaning I'll notice when I, I I'm about to do this, and I'm like, oh, don't what are you doing? Like right. be in the moment. She
4: just picked up her phone.
3: I did that to shake <laughs> your worst. Well, let us know what you think of Fubbing and uh, oh hope you learned something and, and we'll bring this intention into your relationships with friends or strangers. Uh, from the show. Next up, the big announcement that California made today about vaccines, and it could impact you. That's next on What's Trending This Hour.
8: Let's go there. With With Shira Shira
3: and Ryan. Channel Q. Coming up on the show, the harmful stigma people living with HIV continue to face daily. And of course, uh, DeBaby's recent homophobic rant really took this conversation to the next level. And unfortunately, something we need to continue talking about. That is in 30 minutes. And speaking of that, what Nick Cannon had to say about DaBaby and cancel culture in the T-Report in a moment, because of course he had to step in. First, let's get into some what's trending this hour Governor Gavin Newsom announced that California will be the first state to require all school staff to be vaccinated or tested weekly.
2: We're now following up today uh, to align our school strategy to the state strategy and become the first state in the country to require that all of our staff, not just teachers, credential staff, uh, paraeducators, custodial staff, the bus drivers, uh, folks uh, that are critical to supporting the entire school ecosystem also submit a verification of vaccination and or submit to weekly testing.
3: Now conditions are improving on Puerto Rico as Fred, the sixth named tropical storm of the 2021 Atlantic hurricane season, is progressing towards the Dominican Republic in Haiti. And according to experts, it could likely strike Florida this weekend. And finally, the World Health Organization Director General suggested that unless things change, the world could see 100 million more cases of COVID-19 by the early months of next year. He said today, as the, at, at the current trajectory, we could pass 300 million cases early next year, but we can change that. We are all in this together, but the world is not acting like it. The number of recorded COVID-19 cases had reached 200 million last week, just six months after the world passed 100 million cases. Wow. Wow. So you can see how that's progressing. I know. Um, And we know the real number of cases is much higher, he noted. Uh, And they emphasized that more research was being done on treatment for COVID-19 in this unprecedented multi-country trial called Solidarity Plus. We got to have someone on to talk about this, one of our infectious diseases experts, because they're looking at the effectiveness of three new drugs in 52 countries. And they said that the spread of the Delta variant now could change assumptions about herd immunity and vaccine targets. Wow. Yeah, a lot coming out there from um, this media briefing that happened today. But that was What's Trending This Hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan?
4: Okay, so like you mentioned, we're talking uh, Nick Cannon and um uh, specifically DeBaby later on in the show, but Nick Cannon has decided to weigh in on cancel culture and this whole thing that's happening with DeBaby and his homophobic remarks. It's time for the Tea Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. So in a recent interview, he said this. First of all, I think not only in the black community, and I've experienced it, but definitely just men. a lot of times we have that ego. We believe apologizing is weakness uh, when it actually takes great strength to step up to anyone and say I was wrong. He said. He also went on to say, I challenge all these people who actually want to cancel somebody and even specifically in the baby situation, let's use this as an opportunity for education. He said, if I'm saying these things about the LGBTQI community, show me where I'm wrong not only is that going to help me but you're going to help so many other people who think like me there are so many the babies out there now if you don't remember he got himself in some trouble um Nick Cannon specifically he came under fire for anti-semitic statements that he made on his podcast back in 2020 Here's my issue with this if I'm being quite honest because this yeah. this idea I think it's it's becoming a really lazy that cishet folks are kind of relying on this education process for themselves it's 2021 I'm not going to educate you on anything when there's Google and there's resources out there that will educate you. I think this idea that we have to educate or we should take the time to educate someone is gaslighting and it's not taking responsibility for your own actions and your responsibility on growth moving forward. And I think that is an issue that comes with statements from other people who have either been um, affected by cancel culture or have said things that have gotten them being like, well, I had no clue. I was I'm not educated enough well there's resources out there there's information out there and don't rely on the community that you're offending to educate oh yeah that's true that's that's it I and I
3: feel like we should talk about this because I do have some thoughts on this and also the I am not happy that Nick Cannon said what he said when he was anti-semitic I I think it was important that moment because I think there was a lot that came out of it that a lot of people didn't realize was wrong and so that's where the education happens because the fact is there are a lot But he had of, to go do that himself.
4: He had to go do the work himself. But that himself. was also because
3: the uh public pressure, you don't know what you don't know. And this is these unfortunate. It's like ignorance. I just don't happens. I don't I'm
4: sorry. I I can't I, I just don't think the community the community that, but that I'm should be a part on the community. No. We don't do, we don't no. we're not we don't have any totally. space to educate when you're saying ignorant things especially that comes out of left field when all you could have said was what's up bye well, yeah. and did your he- songs or whatever that's not our responsibility and there's a lot of people it that isn't. feel like they can just uh, you know say oh my god I, I had a lack of education well that's on you to be educated that's your fault we don't that have to also, do that, that of, of course
3: I, and I think that's where whoever wants to step up in that place if that's what you want and you're called to do Great. No, for sure. But doesn't mean it's gonna be everyone's
4: place. It's no one's responsibility. Or but responsibility. Let us know what your thoughts are at the uh, LGT show everywhere on social meds. Um, that's your tea report. I got more coming up next hour. We gotta get out of okay, here. Okay,
3: speaking of which, how to text someone you're mad at. We've all been through this. Well, how to do it? That's yeah. next.
8: Let's go there with, with Shira, Shira
3: and Ryan, channel Q. This Bustle article brought up uh, a much-needed conversation that I think we all go through. I, I, I think everyone could agree with this, that we all try to text people when we're mad at them,
4: right? No. we—you not I'm not texting anyone if I'm mad at them.
3: Or people might wonder. But I hold
4: grudges, which is awful.
3: So here's... Wait, wait. Just hold up before we go down so many rabbit holes here. I know. Uh, you might wonder how to text someone if you're mad at them. I don't know. Everyone has a different approach. So you're saying, Ryan, your approach is you just don't.
4: Yeah. Um, um. So, yeah, I'm actually kind of really bad at this. I'm trying to find better, healthier ways of, like, handling things. But it's so interesting. My, me and my therapist, we actually had a breakthrough moment where she connected it to some stuff oh. where the reason why I, like, handle certain things, I'm, like, so willing to um, – not give either people second chances, or being like willing to be like, oh no, I'm cutting them off. I don't ever want to speak to them again. Uh-huh. It's because of something that's happened to me, like when I was younger. But that's uh-huh. not your business. Whatever. Welcome to therapy. But I, I, I think, <laughs> um, I think it's for me when I'm like trying to text someone that I'm mad at. It, it, it's happened, but it's like it's. I'm very short, like in response. Like, I'm sending short text messages. I normally, I think people, when they're normally texting me, they know I I like to do the emojis. I like to, like, type in multiple letters in one word. And I'm, like, kind of speak. It's like the way I would speak in person. I kind of translate it into kind of a texting form. And so, like, people understand, like, if something's wrong with me, if they if they know me well enough and I'm texting them differently, then that's it. Or um, if I don't respond either, like that's been something recently that's popped up where I didn't even realize people realized that. Where they were like, "Oh yeah, you've never ignored my text message, but when you do, it feels like oh, is something? Did I do something? No, it's just, something?
3: Just know Ryan Mitchell for a few years, you'll get used to that. <laughs> yes,
4: yeah, I'm saying right. They, yeah. they must be new. That's why I said they must be new. So it's
3: like a, a new relationship. You're right, in the honeymoon phase. Right. Right. But, um, yeah, I've learned this also the hard way where. I used to text people, like, either my employees or, yeah, friends right away. Like, I would get into reactive mode where I'd be like, oh, like, watch out. I'd, yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd be like that cat meme with the cat, like, on the typewriter. Like, so, And I would go on rants, and I stopped doing that. Mm-hmm. One, I, uh, and from a lot of my own personal growth work, it is not good to get into something when you're in reactive mode. That's why no. it's good to take a step back. But it's okay to... It, it, don't go MIA, but say to someone, "Hey, I want to. I want to have this conversation with you. I'm just maybe not in the place to do it right now. Give me a day, right? Well, like that's what I typically do. And a lot yeah. of times, text messages leave a lot open to the imagination. I feel like text they messages no where, when you're mad text messages, is yeah. probably the worst way to." go through something, unless it's the only way, yeah. pick up a phone.
4: No, that's true. I, yeah, that, I think that's very true. But I think, because recently it's like uh, something happened where I was kind of mad at this like new group of people that I'm kind of hanging out with. And um, I'd never said anything. Um, and I haven't actually been really that much in communication with them anymore since that's happened um, because I just don't know how to navigate. And I think sometimes my anxiety... Uh, makes me feel like, oh, well, if they, if they were able to do that, they don't care really anyway, so why am I going to waste my time, you know, being mad at them or, like, not being mad at them or even, like, trying where I'm really over here, like, kind of stewing and being like, oh, I wish they would text me first. Like, right, don't you wish, like, the person you're mad at you would want them to text you first so you can kind of then open up in ways? Has that ever happened to you? Like, you want to hear from them first? Oh, yeah,
3: that definitely happens. But that's why you got to have your safety friend or someone who's a safety for you yeah. or, or just journal, you need someone to, to share the rant with.
4: No, that's right. True. It's almost
3: like putting something in drafts because it's not about keeping it in. It's just about sharing it with anyone else, but the person you're probably going to want to be very angry at right now, because you're not going to end up getting your point across unless you're trying to just end the relationship, maybe put it all out there. But like, why why put more stress on yourself and someone else that that you'll no, end up probably regretting and that
4: and that's really true as well and i think it's all really about kind of giving yourself grace and space in in that moment too right like where it's like like you said earlier taking a beat and then coming back to it or taking a beat with being like, let's reassess the situation. Am I really mad at them or is this something that I can move? Can I move past it or can I not move past it, right? And I think sometimes in text messages, depending on if both parties are hurt, everyone's going to be on the defense. No one's going to want to take it in a positive way yes at all at
3: all you know i and and we'll wrap this up with this yeah. someone said to me yesterday if if you're annoyed or triggered to say to someone saying the um my wh- My experience in them, or my experience of what was happening in that moment, or what my my mind or what I was thinking was happening was this. What my mind was telling me that was happening was this. Yeah.
4: Versus like, because it it was never happening.
3: Well, it was something was happening, but like this is the story I was. This is the story I was telling myself about the situation.
4: And that happens. That's. And that happens. We all
3: tell ourselves stories of situations. So when you could recognize that, including in a conversation with someone it creates a more more of an opening for discussion wow i feel like we're uh
4: just not be passive aggressive we're a either therapists yeah here. that's tr- i'm is, not a therapist no, we're, i'm we're, just cuz i, what I can still can we call it the the non therapy
3: therapy session the Sheeran and ryan i'm
4: still uh, yes the non therapy therapy session <laughs> I'm still awful about it, so don't take my the advice. amateur therapy session. Don't this take my advice because I'm <laughs> I'm still you're, working. You're you're growing. We're all growing. We are growing. You know, we're, we're all working. We're all growing.
3: It. Next up, the reality of DaBaby's recent homophobic comments and the stigma people face still living with HIV daily. That is next.
1: Over here. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at and t at tmobile.com slash Across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. A 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported. 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months.
9: After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. A lot can happen between falling in love with a house and owning it. Having an advocate who can help you navigate negotiations, timelines, inspections, and more can make all the difference. That's what the expertise of a Realtor can do for you. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors.
8: Let's go there with With Shira Shira and Ryan. Channel Q.
3: Now, rapper DaBaby drew sharp criticism after he made a homophobic rant during a concert. On July 25th, Insulting People Living with HIV or Sexually Transmitted Illnesses. And joining us to talk more about this is Dr. Dale, who's an associate professor with tenure of psychology at the University of Miami and the director and founder at the Shine Research Program. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. So this is such an important conversation. It's something we've been talking about here on the show when Baby made these comments, and also we talk about these subjects even all the time. Even though we've made so much progress, why is there still so much stigma?
7: I think, you know, the short answer would be that when it comes to um, HIV, and of course he said his comment, and it, it takes an intersection, right? So it was about HIV, it's about um, same-gender loving men, it was about um, women, is that oppression hasn't been eradicated, right? And we have to think about stigma as something that is, is, is linked to, to how people are being um, viewed um, negatively in society. And so that's the reason, right? The work hasn't um, reached the place where people understand and are dismantling the way that we think about the LGBTQ community, the way that we think about people living with HIV, the way that we think about women as empowered, beautiful individuals who are deserving of their full humanity beyond the taint of what um, some people might have in their imagination.
4: Yeah, and what I thought was really interesting, especially after the the baby comments, was like this. Uh, pinpointing of HIV AIDS, just specifically on queer people, Mm -hmm. instead of realizing that it actually affects everyone. And there was also some misogyny that was wrapped into his comments as well. What's Mm -hmm. the the disconnect of not really understanding that HIV impacts everyone? It's not just the LGBTQ community, specifically gay folks that deal with this. Why is that Mm -hmm. still kind of so hard to grasp?
7: Well, I think it's one, it's unfortunately history. We, we, people still haven't learned the basic facts, right? Um, and I say history because if we think about even how the media treated HIV when the epidemic started in the 1980s, right, they labeled the 4-H club. And one of the H's were that they were believing that only certain people were at risk for HIV, such as um, the H was for homosexual in terms of gay and same-gender loving men. One of the other ages that carried a strong racial connotation was in terms of um, individuals of Haitian origin. And so I think there's still history to why these things are being linked and also just widespread information to continue to where we are today. Because we know that everyone is impacted by HIV, right? Um, you could be cisgender, transgender, you could be, you know, um, gay, you could be heterosexual, um, everyone is impacted by HIV. But however, I do have to clarify that although everyone's impacted by HIV, it is bearing a disproportionate um, impact on certain communities. Yeah. It is bearing a disproportionate um, impact on black, you know, MSMs, on um, on black women, yes. right? On um, transgender women. And the reason that is, though, has nothing to do with um, the, the identity, right? It has nothing to do with someone. Being gay or same gender loving it has nothing to do with someone being a black woman, et cetera. It has everything to do with um, the systems that are in place that continue to perpetuate discrimination and stigma that continue to make it so that individuals are not able to access care, um, access help and really be treated as human beings.
3: Yeah, which brings up intersectionality, which you talk about in your article, why it's so important when looking at how we can decrease the stigma.
7: Yeah, it's very important because I think um, the big thing we have to think about here is how can we make it so that everyone can, one, think about their sexual health, receive the tools that they need to take care of their sexual health and the treatment they need to to maintain their well-being, right? Um, And to to treat them with with kindness and, and warmth like we would treat anybody else with. I think if we address the stigma, then we could really uh, be an end to this epidemic. But what's really driving it is the stigma, right, and how individuals are being treated. For instance, even when individuals, someone might find out that they have HIV, the scariest thing for a lot of people is not HIV itself, because HIV is a chronic illness, right? You take one pill a day, you can become what we call virally suppressed and essentially um, HIV cannot be transmitted when someone's virally suppressed, but the most, the scariest thing for most people is how they are going to be perceived and treated by other people, how they're going to be treated by family or friends and potential partners, right? That's what's um, driving people to then, um, struggle with mental health issues and to then not necessarily follow up with providers for care or cannot take the medication. It's because of the stigma Um, HIV itself is a chronic illness, but the stigma is what is impacting people so that they're unable to take care of themselves. And also, I have to say that providers can also be stigmatized in in that if someone shows up and they're looking for care and they're treated in a way that is not humanizing yeah then that can also make it hard for someone to go to go back and to get Definitely. what they need i've admit that, well dr know, dale i
3: want we want to take a, a beat because we want to talk more about this and also more about your shine research program and what it's doing to help folks that's next
8: let's go there with shira and ryan channel q
3: We are back with Dr. Dale. We're talking about how to decrease the stigma uh, for people living with HIV. And you brought up so many great points before the break. Uh, But we do want to talk about your SHINE research program and what you're doing to help decrease the stigma.
7: Yeah, so um, a lot of our work that we're doing, we have many different um, research projects and initiatives that we have going on. And it really centers at disparities and particularly focus on um, communities that are the most marginalized when we think about HIV. So we focus a lot of work on black women. We have a project on um, transgender women living with HIV. Um, we, we have a project that's based in um, zip codes in Miami, where we go out and partner with businesses to increase HIV um, uptake in zip codes that are experiencing a high prevalence of HIV. And it's basically to meet people where they're at and go into the places that people would be offering testing, Speaking with people and just being there where people are versus asking them to come to us. Well, and I- so the, the oh ha-
4: s- no, sorry, because I feel like the interesting thing about a program like this, especially after last year and like this ongoing pandemic that we've been in, I wonder how you all had to pivot with your services. Did, did were you able to still do the this pivotal like this amazing work that you're you you all are doing? Yes, we were still able to do um, it
7: with a twist, right, in terms of how do we pivot, how do we keep people safe? And so um, we had to start doing a lot of those um, pieces um, remotely. So for instance, one of our projects, MAGIC, which is um, the definition of that is monitoring microaggressions and other adversities um, to generate interventions for change. And that's done among Black women living with HIV. And so in that study, we actually send out um, text messages daily that ask about whether or not they've experienced any microaggression, so um, being insulted or treated with less respect based on um, being Black, being a woman, being um, lesbian or gay identified, being um, living with HIV, or for another form of their identity. And so they, they text us back and will let us know whether or not they've experienced anything like that. And they also indicate how distressed they are by that. And so my team, we've built this culture where humans first, data second. So we're getting good information but we're going to center the individuals that are in front of us and so whenever we get an alert that says that this person experienced X, Y, and Z, and and they're reporting um, elevated distress then a team member would reach back out to them to see how they're doing to see what resources they need and so we've been able to keep in contact with people um, that way through some of our studies but also we have regular visits for other studies you know, every um, couple months or um, more frequently where they actually get to speak with a clinician via Zoom or via phone and they get to really do a full and thorough kind of assessment on how they're doing in terms of their mental health, their well-being, their engagement in care. And a, a key point that my team is trained on and that we do is that when we hear there's an issue, we don't just say, well, great, we've logged it, it's data. We say, okay, these are the resources that we're aware of in the yeah. community that you could tap into. And we really use our advocates for muscle to try and help people. Cause I think you could get the data, but you have to center human beings.
3: Definitely. Well, thank you so much for all of that. And for the work that you're doing, it is really important. Thank you very much. And thank you for having me. Definitely. That was Dr. Dale an associate professor with tenure of psychology at university of Miami, also director and founder of the shine research program. Next up, we've got what's trending this hour. Cardi B's reaction to celebs coming out about their bathing routines. Oh, M G. this conversation continues. That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q. Yep, welcome back to the show. We've got more music for you always on Channel Q, but let's get into some more news and views. In 15 minutes, why some experts are saying the love languages everyone talks about aren't even real. Yep. That's coming up. Plus, Cardi B's reaction to celebs coming out about their bathing routines. The conversation that never ends in the Tea Report in a moment. But first, let's get into some what's trending this hour. As people keep saying taxes will increase with all the current new budgets and spending, well, President Biden is clapping back.
9: This isn't going to be anything like my predecessor, whose unpaid tax cuts and other spending added nearly 8 trillion dollars in his four years to the national debt, $8 trillion. They didn't even purport to try to pay for their tax cuts, which went straight to the largest corporations and the wealthiest Americans.
3: Yep, he said that basically they're going to be fully paid for his Build Back Better Spending Agenda. So we'll see what that actually means. But I guess that's good. I mean, I don't even know where they're getting this money from, but it seems like they're figuring it out. Uh, Now, this just and the CDC is doubling down on its recommendation for pregnant people to get vaccinated against COVID-19. The CDC now recommends the COVID-19 vaccine for, quote, all people 12 years and older, including people who are pregnant, breastfeeding, trying to get pregnant now or might become pregnant in the future. Prior to that, the CDC said that pregnant people can receive a COVID-19 vaccine. And they're actually, uh, pregnant people are at an increased risk of severe infection from COVID-19, according to the CDC and health experts. And finally, a West Virginia college will charge unvaccinated students a $750 COVID fee when they return to campus. While administrators at an Alabama school say students who have not been vaccinated will have to foot the bill for weekly testing. And that's just some of the news coming out of uh, at NBC.com. Um, as folks are reporting, going back to school and what colleges and elementary schools are doing right now. And it seems like across the board, mask mandates are happening. And these uh, fees for the older kids, the teens out there. But that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan?
4: Yo, can the shower wars just be over? I'm honestly tired of finding out who's not showering, who is showering, who has something to say about the said showering. It's time for the Tea report Those pop culture stories trending right now. This will be the last shower story I cover. Seriously. <laughs> sure. Unless it's like Beyonce says she doesn't bathe or something, which I doubt it because she's black. Anyway, um, you know, Cardi B is so confused by all of these celebrities saying they don't shower it regularly. Um, she actually tweeted something so funny. She said, What's up with people saying they don't shower uh with the eyebrow raising emoji? Um it's giving itchy. Which <laughs> it is most definitely giving itchy. You know, like when you that's for me is something that I've always been ingrained in. Like if I don't have a shower, if I feel dirty, I start to itch where I'm just like, oh my god, like this just feels gross. Like I feel gross. And so I don't understand how some people don't had those similar feelings when they don't shower. Um, it's it's becoming very interesting.
3: It is becoming interesting. And what?
4: <laughs> Even, no. no, let me listen. I was just listening uh, to another a podcast, yeah. and it, the two podcast hosts, they were talking about the situation. And one of them was like, Well, I actually really just don't enjoy showers. Like, I don't like mm. being wet. And I'm like, What is going on here? Like, I don't Who said understand. this? Is this someone I know? No, 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 no. It's, uh, unless you listen to a podcast called What a Day. Oh, um, I it, mean I know it. Yeah, it, it's good, but it was one of the fill-in hosts said that. And I was like, why would she say she doesn't enjoy showers? I feel like showers are the best part of my day. Maybe
3: they were traumatized in a shower or in a past life died in a shower.
4: Why would you go all the way to death? I'm just saying, you really fierce. skipped A, B, and went to Z with death. But you know what? It's it is
3: interesting, and I wonder, like, what? Why is showering such a thing? Like, is it? And why do people have different opinions about showering? And is it, you know, is it based on, like, your background, how you were raised? Why is it becoming, uh, you know, black versus white people, like, how different people shower? Why do because white people not shower enough? Like that, That's what
4: I'm saying. No, that's, but why is this a discovery?
3: Why? It's always
4: been that, though.
3: I, I wonder why.
4: Because y'all don't shower.
3: Is it because, do you want to talk about privilege?
4: <laughs> what, what's the, actually, no, there's a, there's, I, a, this there's is, a history. We can this, get into this. No, there's, I think there's actually, if we're having a real conversation, no, yeah. I think the reason why it's black and white is because historically in this country, there was segregation, right? Yeah. And in segregation, blacks could not sl- like yes. swim in pools because they were deemed dirty. They were deemed like not acceptable. Their skin was dirty. Mm. And it's just really interesting when they start, all of this news starts to come out, how the tables well, have kind it's of ingra- turned.
3: Well, then because it becomes a ingra- like, I don't want to be quote-unquote dirty, even though you're not dirty. There's, a, that, his, that... there's a whole history to this. And then I also think when you have something all the time, you take, not take it for granted, but you almost, you're not, you don't need to use it, right, anymore because you never, like, you had access to that. Is beca- that
4: is, I mean, I don't know how those connect because it's just like, we have access and the privilege of toilet paper, but that doesn't mean you're going to stop using toilet paper. I would hope
3: or, not. Or maybe environmentalists don't use as much toilet paper then how are you or maybe using
4: a cloth. See, you can't be an environmentalist <laughs> and then not you can't like not wa- like oh, wipe actually, your butt a... and then you like not showering like what's happening now there? we're
3: doubling down on the dirty it's just
4: it's just gross but, all the way around but anyway
3: i know we we're joking around about it but i, I actually I find that other conversation oh well, yeah that's but like that other conversation we were just having actually really interesting how like a pop culture conversation can actually be embedded with like there's real history to it
4: Yeah, for sure. Um, But right now, we're not about to have it because I just gave you a little tidbit already. Um, But that's your T-Report. I got more coming up next hour. Well,
3: next after this, everyone boasts about the love languages. But are they real? Why some experts say they are not? And what does that mean in terms of how we figure out how to love each other? That's next.
8: Let's go there with Shira and Ryan. Channel Q.
3: So the five love languages, you might know what they're all about. You might not just to catch you up. It started out from this book by Gary Chapman in 1992. It became a huge success and it was all about what each of us needs To feel loved, and some of us feel loved by words of affirmation, quality time, physical touch, acts of service, and receiving gifts.
4: I don't know. I always find like I I do think love languages somewhat exist, like how people show up for the people they care about. Um, But I always think when it's packaged in this way, it's just like. Well, yeah, and
3: so some experts are now saying. This is BS. Are yeah. they even real? It just sounds
4: like this guy wrote a book and he got. No, well, money anything. For it.
3: By the way, let's be clear: anything that we buy into is packaged in a certain way. That's why it could be the difference between. I bet you there are if a lot it's of not other Oprah, people. I'm
4: not believing well, it. Even
3: Oprah was able to package ideas. Well, yeah, it's all about stories. She telling. deserves
4: it. I don't know this Gary man. <laughs>
3: well, uh, psychotherapist Aaron Miller joins us right now. Thanks for being here. Oh, thank you for having me. So why are people finally questioning the love languages? Because this has been such a staple and foundational theory. Yeah, I
5: think so. That's a good question. I feel like it has a lot to do with this boom in social media and info infographics and how people are accessing this information so much easier. So with that access, come some people living by that information and some people completely rejecting it. So I think that with information like this, where people are put in buckets, there are some people who are like, wow, yes, now I finally know what I want, how to express that, and that feels great to them. And then there's other people who it makes them feel like they're oversimplified Mm -hmm. and that their whole human experience is just distilled down to five categories and that doesn't sit well with them. So I think people just have really strong reactions to all this sort of categorical, categorizing people stuff.
4: Yeah, for sure. I, I agree. But as a psychotherapist, what are, what's your reflection when it comes to love languages? Is it important to have when it comes to just relationships in general?
5: So I think that they can be super helpful if used correctly. So... I think we all have five love languages, right? So they're ranked from our most prominent to the least prominent. So for example, Ryan, let's say your last love language is acts of service and you're marrying someone whose top love language is acts of service. So if you were to be someone who's like, I'm buying into the love languages, this is how I'm going to connect with my partner and make them feel loved. It's going to be a steep learning curve for you. The good news with that is we can all learn love languages, but it's just the investment towards doing it, and if you see that as a good way to connect with your partner.
3: so Oh, I was going to say, are, by the way, people are now using love languages not just for intimate partnerships or relationships. Like, it could help us in terms of how we communicate, Ryan, or how you communicate, yeah, colleagues or friends, just FYI. But continue, sorry.
5: <laughs> yes, oh my gosh, I know. Now he's made all these books for... For your family, for your friends, for college students, love languages for everyone. So I think it's a tool at the end of the day. It's interesting. The reason people buy, the number one reason that people buy this book is because they're maybe like two years into marriage, something like that. And they report that they're feeling like roommates with their partners. So the idea is to make each other get back to that place where you're feeling loved and appreciated and all of that
4: but do books like that really help because i always i'm always like those the self-help books are those books about relationships and all these things i always wonder like every uh individual relationship is nuanced and it's different one book Can't help just solve every issue, right? And I feel like that's kind of like my my other side, like my guess, my pessimistic side when I look at like books like that, where even when it comes to these love languages, it's just like everything is so nuanced, where you can't just be defined by one. What if you're multiple of these things? Like, why, you know? And I I think that's kind of
3: as my boyfriend knows, I'm all of them. But um, are you? But (laughs) as we wrap um, up, what's the alternative? So say, you know, what are people now since that? it came out in 1992 are there other things that people are using to connect that maybe as was built from the love language languages or something you know else right now yeah so first off I totally understand both of
5: your points so it's so funny before we started this interview I was thinking I've been like asking people in my life what love language they are for years and I get three answers. It's either an ambivalent loss followed by a I don't know, I don't believe in that. It's a clear answer like I'm physical touch or whatever, or it's I feel
3: like I'm all of them. So it was just funny to me hearing that. <laughs>
4: well, she <laughs> of course is gonna that. think she's all of them.
3: That was a joke that was a joke, obviously. <laughs> My poor boyfriend was like, Yeah, I know you're you need everything, okay. Well just as we wrap up, we literally have thirty seconds. Just any others okay. that people should be looking out for? Okay, I think
5: understanding your attachment style is really important. Yeah. I think that, that, that the book Attached is one of the best books of literature if you want to understand yourself in a relationship, yes. in my
3: opinion. I love that book. All right. Yeah. There you go. That was actually some knowledge drop right there. That was, if you haven't checked out that book, that will change your life too and how you view any relationships you're not having. Sure. Or you you want to said that. we had
4: 30 seconds okay,
3: left. Okay. Bye. Uh, that was psychotherapist Aaron Miller. Have a great night. You too. Next up, the host of the new show, Pod Sauce, joins us after this to share why we all need a podcast about podcasts. That's next.
8: Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, Channel Q.
3: So as you know, or you might not know, Channel Q is part of Odyssey, right? And Odyssey announced the launch of Sauce last week, which is this new multi-platform video and audio experience podcast discovery show that covers the world of podcasting.
1: Mm-hmm. Here's a
3: little sizzle, little clip. If you like this.
1: You'll like that.
3: Oh, yeah. <laughs>
9: If you guys are fans of Prime Junkie, then I'm sure you will be a fan of Park Predators.
0: But I like getting into the the weird and kind of wonderful podcasts that are out there that maybe make you go,
9: what? But we're also going to talk to the creators, the creators of these podcast shows. Um, And sometimes it's your favorite celeb that's sitting behind that chair. You just never know. But we're doing the work for you because podcasts, it's a movement and we love it.
3: You love it. So let's love them together.
2: Exactly. So make sure you check us out on PodSauce.com.
3: There you go. That voice was Dax Holt. He's not with us, but one of the hosts of the show, Alicia Renee. I would say the better half because she's a power woman. You know, I'm here
4: for it. <laughs> you no, know, seriously. Actually, I was. I, no shade to Dax, but I was looking forward to talking to her more. No shade. No shade at all. Wow. Now
3: you know what our show is all about. Uh, well, Alicia, welcome to Let's Go There. Thanks for being here. Oh, thank you so much for having me, guys. What a great introduction. We don't need Dax. You <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> we're the worst. You know, uh, yeah. and you're part of the family now. So we're like uh, step-siblings
4: or I something. I know. So congrats on that. But, you know, my main question here, like, and okay. it's, it's, a, it's a tough one. Are you ready? <laughs> I think so. I hope so. Why would <laughs> I listen to a podcast about a podcast? Well, see, let me tell you why you would listen to a
9: podcast about a podcast. <laughs> has... <laughs> let me tell you what. Funny you should ask. Who has time to listen to... There's like 3 million different podcasts out there. 50 million episodes of content. Do you have time for that?
4: I mean, no. you right.
3: Ryan okay. surprises <laughs> me as to how much he okay. does listen That's and take and consume. I don't even know how he does it. But it's true. There's so much out there yeah. and it can be hard to figure out what you like or what's there.
9: There's so much like amazing content out there. And quite honestly, like all of us, are books, we're busy. We're doing all the things, and we don't really have, like, time to sit down and sift, so we do it for you. It's so funny because I used to say, you know, we're like the Cliff Notes of podcasts, but apparently I was aging myself, and they didn't want people to know. <laughs> That's my generation, girl. I get it. I, I know.
4: I mean, I, I understand what Cliff Notes are. I get it, Listen. Assume.
9: See, I'm talking to my people. I'm talking to my people. <laughs> <laughs> but apparently they weren't here for that. So that's why we became a podcast discovery show. Um, but in essence, I mean, we're doing the same thing. We're going through, we're figuring out who's listening to what and why. We're doing God's work out, out here so you guys don't have to. Yeah. That's it.
3: Then recommendations, <laughs> because I feel like I, I learn about a lot of podcasts through just friends. I mean, we we yeah. recommend podcasts to each other all the time here on the show, even like, when we're not on it. So
4: I, you know what's really interesting too about this, I, and I, I wonder how have you been able to kind of bring even the podcasts that you love, are the podcasts that go unrecognized, to a platform like Pot Sauce.
9: I mean, we have a segment called "A uh, Murder Most Foul, I'm for sure like heavy into true crime. Mm. Uh, at the top of the show, Dax and I will talk about like what's our pick of the week, and a lot of times that's those are the picks that I bring to the table, the podcasts that people may not be too familiar with like Ratchet and Respectable hosted by my girlfriend Demetria Lucas or The Read, you know, hosted yeah. by Kid and Crystal, like these are podcasts that I love, I've been listening to for years, Brilliant Idiots you know, Flavery and Foul um, you know, so that's my opportunity to bring to everybody what I'm listening to and hopefully it's something that they'll want to check out and you know, that's, that's basically, basically how, it, how it flows and Dax does the same thing
3: that's great. And then you've also had, obviously, a lot of talent on, a lot of celebs. Yeah,
9: I mean, like, you know, and that's the beautiful thing, especially when we were talking to uh, Nina Seavey, and we spoke with one of my favorite podcast uh, podcasters that we've had on, actually, were the host of, um, what? what is it, Ange? Um, drawing a blank. The, it's always the freaking husband. When I tell y'all, I was like, <laughs> beast myself when we had them on there, two women, was it Sarah and, um, Megan, uh, they're, they're from Minnesota. Did I say that right? <laughs> in my, my, in my best, I love my that. Best Minnesota, um, voice, but they're amazing. We had, we regret to inform you, the rejection podcast, hearing why these content creators came up with, you know, these particular podcasts, some of them, you know, during the pandemic. Uh, for me, has just been one, inspiring, and just as a creator myself and as an actor myself. And then two, just as a consumer, right? It's like, I want something else besides the TV to tune into all day long
4: no for sure it's it's always important to kind of have different outlets right and and taking in different ways of different 1,000%. news and, and content and you know i'm just gonna throw this out here as we wrap up um you need to go ahead and let us have let's go there on there yeah,
3: well, you gotta, you yeah. Know, we need some discovery
4: i'm not i'm not you know i'm not afraid to uh yeah. to shoot my shot
9: <laughs> As you should. The only shot. Listen, you only miss the shots you don't take. Come exactly. So,
3: exactly.
9: y'all ease on down the road. Yes. We would love to have y'all. I am y'all cousin twice removed. Oh. Take off your shoes bring me something to drink and come. Oh my god. Yeah, we're literally
3: I think you 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 record downstairs from us. So, let's let's I'm do that. I'm actually downstairs right now Look in at some that. little hobbit hole Stop. doing this. In the, in
9: <laughs>
8: we'll <laughs> let you come up teeth. if we'll
3: see you across the glass cuz you know, we're trying to be safe. Yeah. But thanks again for being with us today. That was Alicia Renee. Check out their show Pod Sauce at podsauce.com. Now coming up the latest Elon Musk project could be billboards in space. Brilliant or bonkers? We debate that next.
8: Let's go there with Shira and Ryan.
3: Channel Q. All right, things are getting really wild in space. We got have people flying in a space, men flying in a space. <laughs> we have folks uh, trying to, I guess, talk about life on Mars. And now billboards in space. It's here.
4: You know, it's so weird. I, it, this story is so strange. This idea that there needs to be marketing in space. Who's seeing it? No, you see it. I I wonder Where? if you see
3: it from Earth.
4: No, that's too big. It would have to be huge. It's like it's taking up too much space. And what's in powering space. that? I don't know the logistics, Ryan. Well, I'm I don't just have saying, any like, what's the point? I, are billionaires just bored? <laughs> Go to sleep.
3: People are bored. And, so listen to this. SpaceX is partnering with a Canadian tech startup to launch a digital billboard into orbit. Uh, this company is called Geometric Energy Corporation (GEC), and they're going to be launching these small ad satellites into space. This it just this is how it works: the satellite will have a screen on one side where people and companies can bid. And by the way, you can bid with cryptocurrency, of course, to have their logos and ads displayed along with a selfie stick that will snap photos of the ads with earth in the background. Um, It won't be actually visible from the ground. Though, it would be interesting how a system like that would work.
4: I think it's actually, whoever decides to advertise on this said billboard, it's going to be a bad move for them. Because it's going to look so pretentious to see your brand. You pay all that money to be on a billboard for what? I, that's, I think it's going to do the opposite effect of like what they think. They probably think, oh, it's going to be so cool, everyone's going to love it. No, people are going to be like, who is this a-hole with advertising, I don't know, his uh, green juice up there? Because it would be that. It would be like a jamba juice. No, it wouldn't be a jamba. It would be like
3: one of those, like uh, the future green juice or Literally, something like that.
4: Like a creation or
3: something. I don't Or someone that has a, uh, a blockchain company. Yeah, I know. I'm trying for to think sure. of all like, those.
4: This is an Elon Musk thing, isn't it?
3: Well, they're. they're they said they're partnered with SpaceX, although SpaceX hasn't commented. This guy has just thrown it out there. That's
4: so weird. What's I, the point? I mean,
3: I see I see the point. No, I you don't. I see the point. How, okay, so
4: what do you see? It's just a
3: cool, It's yeah, it's cool. But at the same time, it's d- douchey.
4: I, I hate to it use that makes word. It makes no sense. It makes no sense to say, to have a billboard in it's just the middle like, of it's, space. It's, it's just So aliens like, can really know how America, I mean, the country actually, <laughs> or the world actually is. <laughs> Instead of fixing, like you know, global warming, climate change. The thing
3: is, what people will spend to money on to get attention, right? So they're probably being like, "You're gonna get PR, and then what? You'll get a cute postcard to send to your mom." You with know, your at this brand point,
4: in space. Aliens don't even want to waste their time <laughs> invading our our, our world. They're because like, they're like, they're just such idiots. Look at
3: these dumb Wait, what people. are we gonna do
4: with this planet? They're putting they're putting this ma- huge, I don't know, He's screen like, outside. Metal
3: in space. Yeah,
4: like what is that? So uh, embarrassing. Well, let us know
3: what you think at LGT Show. It's where you can find us on social media, slide into our DMs. Let's go there. With Shira and Ryan, channel Q. Wrapping up the shows, we always do with our Yaz Queen of the Day. Yes, Queen. This one goes to Edith Merwe Trina, who is many things: a great great grandmother, a former dance teacher, and now for her 100th birthday on August 8th, 2021. Okay, she is officially ready for this—the oldest competitive powerlifter. What? And her status is now a Guinness World Record.
4: Wow, that's insane. Wait, is a power lifter like a bodybuilder, basically, with weights?
3: Yeah, it's like she lifts weights from 40 to 150 pounds and what? smashes the competitive powerlifting circuit. And this is according to a release from Guinness World Records. And she dazzles viewers and judges alike with her graceful lifts. I'm oh watching God. her right now. Uh, it's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> I'm watching. There's a whole video of her lifting. I give her credit, man.
4: I mean, to be that age to be doing that is kind of inspiring. You it know? is makes you want to make sure you're all fit and stuff. And
3: hundred years old, and you know they say lifting, at least for women, uh, because hormonally it really helps you. Yeah, age better and stay stronger longer, and it actually hmm. can I think increase your age. Really, like, I by, didn't about the time that. you live. Yeah, lifting heavy weights um, a certain way. Yeah. What Look it shared, up. It's good like for she you. I just made that up. No, I swear people
4: have said this to me. No, people have said it. What's, what's just, the, wait, wait, the scholastic mean... articles? No. Uh, but no, this is really, really cool. And she really deserves our Yes Queen because honestly, what an icon.
3: What an icon is right. So congrats again to the amazing Edith Murway Trina. Now making history, you get our Yes Queen of the day.
4: Yes Queen.
3: By the way, what? just to go back l dot oh, com no. oh, l dot com God. had a whole article
4: that's your scholastic weights. academic? I know I mean
3: I look, I googled it and like there's a lot of articles on this. It says why lifting weights makes you live longer so go google that but is today that for,
4: is that for I mean just because it's l doesn't mean it's specifically gendered?
3: Oh no, but I yeah, I was told because that's the advice I've been given that like mm. it's it helps you as you get older. but yes, I think that anyone whatever gender you are it's it's something to look at and Well, everybody google get today. to lift and yeah, exactly. Uh, that does it for our Yes Queen of the Day.
4: Yes, Queen.
3: And, of course, our show today. We are back tomorrow weekdays here on Channel Q Live, to to 6 p.m. Pacific, 5 to 9 p.m. Eastern. On tomorrow's show, one of many things we're covering, we're going to be talking about compassion fat fatigue and how that's making all this stuff hard in terms of uh, how we connect, whether yeah. you're vaccinated or unvaccinated. Compassion fatigue.
4: I mean I said fat like you're fatigue instead
3: of fat fatigue. <laughs> fatigue.
4: T- <laughs> it's just fatigue.
3: Fatigue. I don't, I don't use that word a lot. I don't know fat- why. Fatigue.
4: <laughs> i <laughs> like, it's the emphasis on fat poor. Anyway, oh, that's really, that's going to be a really interesting conversation for sure.
3: Uh, definitely. And if you miss any of our shows or interviews, we post everything as an episode. Just go to the Odyssey app or where podcasts are available in search. Let's go there. We are sending you love and light.
4: And honey, remember to slay.
3: Now stick around for Love Line with Dr. Chris, where he's covering therapist tips and tricks for mental health. That's next.
0: Bye, y'all. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy